Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown, Georgia Southern. Pass swings on the way. It's gone! It is well with my stolen Montgomery! Georgia Southern wins! Welcome to Georgia Southern Extra. I'm your host, Nathan Dominic, sports content editor of the Savannah Morning News and SavannahNow.com. And every week we talk about Georgia Southern Athletics, primarily football. And here we're recording on Tuesday, November 29th. So we're still catching our breath from the Georgia Southern Appalachian State game from last Saturday night. And uh, with us to talk about that game and talk about the season as a whole and what's ahead for the, the Eagles, we have our special guest. He's a first-time guest, Jake Wallace from WTOC. Jake is the digital anchor and producer, and you also know him from his frequent appearances on camera for Friday Night Football and and uh, the uh, Ghost Pirates and Georgia Southern Athletics. So I see Jake all the time, maybe more than when he was sports director. And Jake, uh, they keep you busy. Uh, but welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, the the uh, the the only kind of real difference in in the job I do now and the job I had like two years ago when I was a sports director is they just I I kind of do a little bit of everything now. Mm-hmm. And not so much sports, but they still let me go do some sports things every once in a while. I'll have some fun. So uh, that that's a good part of the new job. And I get to go over to Statesboro every once in a while and, and right. go to the hockey games and all that kind of good stuff. So, yeah, I know it's probably right in your wheelhouse. Anytime they say, you know, let's break away from the sewage treatment plant coverage and uh, yet another, uh, you know, commission meeting. And Jake, we need you to go over to Statesboro and cover a football game. You're like, uh yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, yeah, Jake, we, we we need somebody to go cover the Masters this year. Do you think you can swing that in your schedule? Oh, yes. Swing, look at that pun. Oh, yeah, wow. I, think, I think I can make that happen for you. <laughs> well, that's on par with Jake right now. Too. Yeah, look at that. Here we yeah, go. There you go. So, Jake, uh, Jake Wallace, welcome to the show. So, Georgia Southern, the football team, had to win last Saturday to become bowl eligible. Now, just a, a kind of context, seven teams – from the Sunbelt conference actually ended up becoming bowl eligible, which means six wins or more with, uh, you know, you could have one FCS win in there for Georgia Southern. That was the season opener against Morgan state. Uh, Appalachian state had already had six wins, but they needed a seventh because two of their wins were against FCS programs. More. Um, if I remember Robert Morris and the Citadel. So George, whoever won that game Saturday was going to have a postseason. whoever lost, time to get out the golf clubs and, and meet up with Jake for 18 holes. So uh, it all was on the line. It's the rivalry game. It's hate week. It's the regular season finale. It's at Paulson stadium. And it was the most electric we've seen Paulson stadium. Uh, we're kind of insulated in the press box, but I would say since the BYU game last year, when they were, when BYU was number 14 in the country and they had a, a, a really, really exciting game there for a while with Georgia Southern and BYU ended up, pulling away there in the last uh, quarter and a half or so but Saturday night you couldn't you didn't know who was going to win Appalachian State played a, a really nice game they had huge amount of you had over 600 yards of offense they were basically tied or leading most of the night they had a chance to win it on the final play of regulation a 30-yard field goal which is very makeable as everyone knows but the, the kicker missed it uh, Michael Hughes missed it we went to overtime and Jake, I assume that you have heard about the game. If you weren't there that night, what was your... there? I was watching it. We were in my, I was in my in-laws house for Thanksgiving, oh, watching but... it on an iPad. Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> were you on the edge of your iPad watching that game? Yeah, it was, it was a great game. I mean, just, and it was one of those games that I was really interested to see because a, the offensive 
you know, injuries that have that have plagued Southern really this second half of the season. How was it going? How was it going to manifest itself, knowing what was at stake? And then also just the defensive troubles Georgia Southern has had stopping the run all year. This is what App State does. They run that outside zone and they did it against Southern and they do it until you stop it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really looking to see, you know, how is Southern going to handle this game knowing the strength of that App State offense against what Georgia Southern has really struggled all year. And uh, what you got was a probably the, the, the best game of the year, obviously. I mean, it was, it was just a phenomenal up and down college football game, lots of points, lots of fireworks. Um, But with obviously going into bowl season, now a great tone setter for the, the second year of the clay Helton era. Yeah, I, actually, you just gave me an opening line for my next story. Maybe is whoever they play in the bowl game. Does that coach say, "Hey, kids, we could put up 680 yards. We could put up 48 points. Doesn't mean we're going to win the game." Yeah, Georgia, Georgia Southern. And obviously, it was a double overtime, so the, the the stats are slightly stilted, I guess, or skewed. But uh, Georgia Southern ended up winning 40, 51 to 48 in double overtime. Um, both teams scored touchdowns in the first overtime. In case you missed it. Uh, App State went first in the second overtime. They ended up getting stopped on third down, settled for a field goal, which is dangerous territory, uh, and you just leave an opening, uh, and then you have to stop them. You 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 know, at the you know at best they're going to kick a field goal. So Georgia Southern uh, second down, twenty uh, five yard touchdown pass from uh, Kyle Ventries, who's been the starter since basically since he stepped on campus. They, they Like I've said before, they wouldn't say that. He was basically announced starter, I think, in fall camp. But he was the, the only pl- only quarterback on the roster with any significant college experience, and he had a lot of it. So we'll talk more about Kyle in a, in a, in a bit. But to get back to the game, you mentioned the injuries. Uh, you get to the 12th game of the season, Jake, and uh, Jalen White, their, their, their most featured back, uh, he was out. Gerald Green, who's been uh, had some breakthrough games. I don't know how many you're allowed to have by definition as breakthrough, but he'd been, he'd bring, broken through the the defensive lines, and he's a home run hitter in terms of um, his speed. He was out with a stinger. Jalen White was out with a knee injury, and then OJ Arnold, who's a true freshman out of Brooks County, I believe he was supposed to be. This was his time to shine, and because they don't write Hollywood scripts for Savannah for Georgia Southern because they know better, OJ Arnold goes out. With a with an ankle injury, uh, I think it was the opening kickoff. I heard second kickoff, but he uh, he didn't even get to carry the ball. So they have uh, walk ons, literal walk ons, who hadn't run the ball this season at all, um, not even in mop up duty. Some of them, uh, AJ Brown, uh, uh, Tyler Jordan, and then our own uh, Brian County's uh, Taron Dixon the second who had, had played a couple snaps before he got a run in uh, an important third down run. But what does it tell you, Jake, when, when your fourth, fifth and sixth runners are the ones you're depending on to win the biggest game of the year? It's a good thing. You have a 60 year quarterback. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, it, but I think it also kind of shows, and this is some of kind of what you had and, the, and, you know, Clay Helton talked about some of this when he came in last November, I guess it was yeah. when he, when he stepped on campus was he had the a chance to evaluate the talent that was on the roster. And he mostly talked about it with the wide receivers that, you know, Hey, we've got really good wide receivers out here. We don't need to completely transform that room, but the depth that you can have, and, and you mentioned OJ Arnold and yeah, had, I think two, two kickoff returns before 
he went out of the game, but a, a guy in AJ Brown who can come in and and not just be serviceable, but 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 be pretty good. He averaged, I think, four and a half yards a carry. Yeah. Um had 14 carries, could be the bell cow. And, and this offense, you know, they want to to run the ball. You got to keep the, the defense honest, obviously. And that's what, what they had to do. And they were able to do that and, and keep the play action at least working, make the defense yeah. at least think about the threat of the run. Keep and it just gave Van Treese and – you know, you talk about the, the the running back injuries, but also the the injuries to the receivers, and you get guys like Ezra Archie becoming the superstar <laughs> and the guy that'll be remembered superstar. forever. Superstar. Well, there you go. Yeah. Fairy, fairy tale, I heard. And so I, I think it, it speaks a little bit to the depth of, of this team and, you know, the job that was done to kind of keep the, the core of this roster as intact as they could through a coaching change, through an offensive scheme change, through a strategy change. Right. And it all pays off here in game 12. Yeah, it's it's a lot to ask uh, when you have, you know, it, it's just funny how historically speaking, you know, they had a running quarterback, whether it was Shy Wirtz or any number of excellent quarterbacks who, um, who if they were on top of their game, it, it kind of, you could have three or four running backs sharing the load. Uh, you get some hurt, you get somebody else steps up. It all kind of flows. Uh, Kyle Van Treese is not a running quarterback, although he did rush for a, a touchdown. He's mm-hmm. not one of those dangerous RPO ones. He's kind of, I guess, old school for some of us where he's a pocket passer, a drop back, and but he gets rid of the ball so quickly because those those quick screens to the left or right, those sideline passes, he gets them out quickly, and they're, they're like running plays. And mm-hmm. they kind of scare me because he'll have to throw 30 or 35 yards to the right or left just to – to complete a four yarder and then it's up to the receiver to get some yards after catch. But Hey, you spread the field, you spread the defense. They have to cover every blade of grass and it opens things up uh, for the running backs. If they can get to that second level. So it kind of all works as long as it all works together, right? If you just had to depend solely on the passing game or solely on the rush game, which they've had those games against old dominion or so or James Madison passing wise, where they just said like, Hey, we're running into a brick wall of James Madison, yeah. you know, two yards a carry or whatever it was, maybe that at best. Let's just pass the ball and see if they can stop us. And they couldn't stop them. James Madison could be a top 25 team when all is said and done. Their season yeah, I mean, prematurely over. A, a team that probably that would be competing for a Sunbelt championship this weekend if they were eligible to. Right. Um, a rules thing, nothing they did on the field. Right. And and a forty point beatdown of Coastal Carolina on Saturday. Yeah, I know that they don't was a, say that very often. I know that, that coastal team was not at full strength, but you sure. know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought it was really interesting and, and just to see what this offense did. And I remember earlier in the year asking Clay Helton kind of where he thought the offense was as compared to where he maybe thought it would be at that yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. And he said, We feel like we have a lot more out there. And and I think you could see early on. I have a feeling this team bought into what they were being asked to do offensively. Um, and I'm sure when you're a wide receiver and you've kind of you've come into Georgia Southern and you've been asked to do a lot of blocking and, and be a home run hitter when you get the call, that now when you go out there and you got to go run routes, that's the fun part. And so I think that that was a nice part about going from the option to the air raid is is the receivers on the outside are now being asked to to take on a bigger role. But they were asked to do a lot of the little things in that mm-hmm. in those triple option kind of offenses and doing the blocking and and breaking down and, and being capable of 
of making plays when you get the opportunity to, that now here's this chance where you might get 10 targets a game. You might get eight catches a game. And what are you going to do with those? And, and these guys have showed that. I think another big thing for the offense, and, and I, I was talking to some people, some other Georgia Southern fans about this, is how important bringing in Van Trees was yeah. and and the the what the the transfer portal does in terms of being able to kind of you don't have to completely flip your roster because Georgia Southern really didn't completely flip that offensive roster. No. But bringing in a quarterback who was capable of running the offense that was being asked and not having to turn to a kid that you just recruited out of high school or try to kind of retrain a a a guy who was recruited for the option to now right. try to run an offense that maybe they're not com- capable of or not completely used to it reminds me a little bit of when when Jeff Munkin was hired mm-hmm. and and Southern went from kind of that hatch attack spread option go offense to the triple option offense how important it was for Jabo Shaw to come in as a transfer quarterback and be able to just take the talent around them and they could mold everything around that offense that was recruited by Chris Hatcher to run his offense. They could make everything else, but you had to have the quarterback to do it. And, and of course, that team, I think, went to the semifinals, the FCS semi, semifinals yeah. their first year. And a big part of that was Jay Shaw being able to come in, know the offense already, and be able to lead – I think Van Treese, maybe a similar way, kind of similar impact mm-hmm. of being able to come in a veteran guy who played a lot of college football, you bring him in and now he can kind of be a calming presence in an offense as things are changing so drastically in that football building over the last 12 months. Here's a guy who's seen it and done it and, and can kind of be the leader as everybody else is kind of playing catch up. I'm going to take a, give Jake a, can, a chance to catch his breath and to think about our next segment, which we'll, we'll talk about Jake's history with the Georgia Southern and also what's ahead of uh, with for the Eagles with the bowl season coming up. But so we'll bring back Jake Wallace of WTOC, the uh, digital anchor and producer, former sports director. You know him. You know him from sports. You know him from all the stuff he does. Uh, he's he's everywhere. Uh, omnipresent, I think, might be it. So we're going to bring him back, but I want to plug the best source for local news in Savannah. Sorry, WTOC. The Savannah Morning News and SavannahNow.com. If you want to know the latest on Georgia Southern football team, of course, uh, this Sunday they'll they'll announce uh, the bowl the bowl matchups. Uh, which high school football teams are hot? Well, we're down to Benedictine playing in the, the Class 4A semifinals this Friday at home, uh, Memorial Stadium, uh, against Troop County. And uh, also uh, things going on with Savannah State and other things in sports. Uh, we have all that and more, including news features and opinion columns. If you aren't a subscriber, now's the time to try us out. Uh, I tell everyone to check out what the latest special is during the holidays. I think it went from $1 for six months, which as I always say, that's like us paying you for six months. That takes you through the football season. That takes you through basketball season at this point. I think it was a $9.99 for two years, something like that, uh, was another special I saw. Uh, check it out. Go to savannahnow.com slash subscribe now and uh, see what the specials are and uh, sign up. So it's savannahnow.com slash subscribe now and uh, give us a shot. Thanks very much. And let's get back to our, our, our guest, Jake Wallace. Jake hasn't had time to uh, go out and do like three assignments for the digital side. TOC, 
But uh, Jake, you uh, you are a graduate of Georgia Southern. You're you're one of the rare, uh, not rare graduates, but one of the rare Georgia Southern graduates to appear on this podcast. We usually have um, beat writers for the opposing teams. Well, we don't know who the opposing team is going to be. So, so you turn to me. Yes. Well, you're. It's because you're all knowing, all seeing. Wow. Yeah, if you if you if you could predict, I guess a wish list, not from a media point of view, because you know what we wish for when it comes to bowl season, but it may not be so different for the fans. So if you're a Georgia Southern alum, which you are, and you don't have a media reason to be there, what would you hope for a bowl game to be? What would be to a city that you know that you don't know? Warm weather, a dome, uh, a great opponent, a cheap price on airfare. What are you looking for? A combination. I, I think. I think the opponent maybe doesn't matter nearly. It's always fun when you get kind of an interesting opponent, right? But mm-hmm. for the most part, at this level, you're probably going to get a MAC team or, or or something like that. It's just it it is the nature of it. Um, you know, I checked out the bowl. Yeah, I checked out all the bowl projections, and I've been to three of Georgia Southern's four bowl games. The only one that I haven't been to is the the COVID year New Orleans Bowl. Yeah. Um, and so I do think that a New Orleans bowl berth would be pretty cool for Southern fans because I know for a long time that was the one every George Southern fan wanted. We wanted the New Orleans bowl so often that was for the Sun Belt champ. And so there was kind of a double meaning behind, hey, you get to go to New Orleans and you're the, the champion of your conference. And so the the year that Southern finally goes, it's, you know, COVID and, and however, however many people were restricted to go. George, um, New Orleans is a great, well, we could talk an hour about New Orleans. It's a great city for visitors, for walking around yes. and uh, food, uh, bring your appetite. Uh, they say what happens in New Orleans stays in New Orleans. Maybe that's not right. Maybe it it is just about the best location for a big time sporting event. Like right. everything's Super Bowl, walkable. Super Bowl. They wanted to make that a permanent site of the Super Bowl at one point. Yeah, like it, it is. And everything. I, I've told a lot of people, I've been to a couple of Sugar Bowls to cover it. It is, yeah, me too. Yeah. New Orleans is almost a perfect city in terms of hosting big time sporting events because everything is walkable. The The mm-hmm. Superdome is fine, um, but everything's walkable. There's so much to do. It, it, it's a great city for hosting mm-hmm. big time sporting events. Um, so I think the new Orleans bowl is there. I, I think for, for Southern fans, you know, they've wanted to go back for so long and, and Southern fans really have had great showings at all the bowl games. Um, from Mobile to Montgomery to Orlando a couple of years ago. And then obviously New Orleans was in such a weird 2020 COVID thing. Um, I don't know if it really matters where they go. I think Southern fans are going to turn out, especially after this year where it was, you know, going to a bowl feels like such a victory mm-hmm. for for this team this year compared to oh what what happened last year and and what, you know, how how long was this going to take? How long was this turnaround going to take? That was the question coming into this year, that it does feel like going to a bowl is such a victory oh, that it can kind of just be. The way they got in, having to beat App State, I mean, that's, that's like a reward. If they, if they, I think, of course, it's, you know, they don't have to go back in time. If they would, wouldn't want to lose those home games to South Alabama and Marshall. No. But that just set everything up for the high drama. Right. And, and yeah. you get the extra little, you know, sweetness of potentially holding App State out of a bowl game completely. Right, bragging rights too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, it was the perfect rivalry setup, you know. Um, so I don't know. I, you know, I, I think for the most part, Sunbelt, the Sunbelt has some pretty good bowl tie-ins. You know, I yeah. I know Montgomery is maybe not the most 
you know, is not the sexiest spot in terms of bowl locations. You but just said Montgomery, Alabama, and sexy in the same sentence. Bring in, bring in all kinds of stuff. <laughs> yeah. But I, hey, it's I nice. Enjoy, yeah, it is, and I enjoyed the 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 Camellia Bowl when when Southern went over there. One of the most memorable games in Georgia Southern history. Um, so I, I really think for it, it may not matter nearly as much as long as it's drivable for the mm-hmm. fan base. I think as long as it or at least travelable. Yeah. And and you you meet up with an opponent that can give you a good game. You know, I saw a lot of projections of of facing Liberty again. I've seen a couple of projections mm-hmm. of facing facing Eastern Michigan again. Yeah. Um, it would be fun, I think, to meet somebody you hadn't faced in a while, yeah. but that's not always possible. Yeah, and 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 I think it's a it's a curious thing that at least two of the bowls that they could be in are home fields for rival teams whether it's mobile with south alabama or conway with coastal carolina and if you're if you're coastal carolina you don't really want to go to your home field for bowl game and 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 south alabama doesn't really want to play a home game for a bowl game that kind of takes away the, the whole travel aspect so yeah. when when they're figuring this out on sunday night saturday night when the uh after the conference championship game between troy and coastal carolina happens there it's going to be interesting how it sorts out i can say i at the at the game Saturday night, I sat next to the uh, some bowl representatives from the Cure Bowl in Atlanta. Or sorry, Atlanta in Orlando, Cure Bowl in Orlando, and uh, the Independence Bowl in Shreveport. Shreveport's a little further drive, not as drivable. Neither is Frisco, Texas, or the New Mexico Bowl. Those might take some doing uh, with travel budgets, but yeah, I think a drivable. I mean, like I said, Orlando, Boca Raton, even. Um, yeah, I, I we'll see how it all sorts out. Um, I, it's just I know we're running a little short on time. We got we still got some time, um, Jake. Let me ask you about. I'll say uh, this: Nate. the thing oh. that I has really helped Southern in these spots, and this this may not casual fans know me on those. The bowl games know who travels and who doesn't, right? And and these bowl representatives they talk, and so when when they look and they see, hey, there's five thousand people from Georgia Southern that came down for the the Camellia Bowl. There was. 6,000 people, however many in Orlando, that matters to these bowl games. They they don't want a ton of empty seats in these stadiums if they can help it. On TV, yeah. Yeah, and the and they, they want people in hotels. They want people going and doing stuff. So I think the fact that Georgia Southern has traveled in the past, and it's been a couple years since they've had a real bowl experience, right. I think you're going to see Georgia Southern. And, and they play an entertaining print of football, too. I mean, that, <laughs> yeah. that helps as well. I think Georgia yeah. Southern will be a pretty interesting bowl selection I, I think a lot of bowls are gonna be very happy if if yeah. they lock in georgia southern I, I i wonder i mean it sounds weird to say the lack of defense is a selling point you know it's like yeah. we're gonna put up a lot of points on offense we also may allow a lot of points on defense okay yeah we got about 10 minutes left jay so i just want to yeah throw some stats at people because these have haven't really changed uh unfortunately for georgia southern um there's 131 FBS programs that are included in the statistics every week. Georgia Southern is 129 on 131 in total defense at 496.2 yards a game. That's almost 500 yards a game. And that, the rush defense, which you mentioned, that's been the starting point of the troubles. Uh, 129th out of 131, 240 yards a game. Now, that doesn't sound like a huge number, but it is for rushing. And it, it's it, such a time... Uh, time of possession it wears out the defense it opens up the pass game it, it, going into defense. that 
Yeah, a hundredth. This is a highlight. Only a hundredth out of 131, 256.2 yards a game, which is obviously kind of in the middle. It's really amazing that Southern won that game against App. Yeah. Like when you when you look at the stats, it's it's astonishing that Southern was not just in the game and won the game, but was competitive. Like App was averaging like eight and a half yards of play. Yeah. 376 yeah. on the ground. I'm pretty sure. Nate Noel must be shocked still. Someone must have to wake him yeah. up. He he ran for like 177 yards, scored the touchdown in overtime, his third of the game that no one even touched him. I mean, yeah. it's like, this is too easy, like literally too easy. I, I did a little research and, and I think this is, is right. So don't quote me on this completely, we but I looked up this, through, yeah. through, yeah, through sports reference teams that have run in games that have had a team run for 350 yards this year in the FBS. There've been 43 of those games. The team that ran for 350 plus was 39 and four in those games. And so <laughs> Yeah, and and Southern's one of those four. It the defense was it was the real you know epitome of Ben don't break. They made three stops in scoring opportunities. Obviously the the goal line stand. They made another stop, and that then I, I, I would argue that holding a team to a field goal in overtime is as good as a stop at that point. Yeah, yeah, it is. Unless unless you have the uh, the statistical or mathematical probability that a kid is going to miss a field goal or an extra point or, or they're going to miss a two point conversion is even higher, but yeah, it's just, it's literally Clay Helton, the head coach of George Southern was talking about field goals like defensive stops, which I had written at deadline mm -hmm. that, and you know, if you cover some arena football, yeah, a, a defensive stop is like a touchdown. It isn't in the NFL. A defensive stop just means you give the ball, you get the ball back. But in arena football, if you keep a team from scoring in any possession, that's like the feeling of a yeah. touchdown or at least a field goal and a half. Um, cause the, the field is, you know, 50 yards and you can score from anywhere. Uh, the, uh, the, we were talking about Kyle Ventris's importance. What do you, obviously this is going to be his last game. I'm going to assume they're in a bowl game. I know that's when you assume that there's a little bit of trouble there, but, um, they're going to find a six and six team like George Sutton with fans that travel. Well, they're from the Southeast a hotbed of college football, there's so many bowl games within a driving distance. They should have a slot for them somewhere. So I'm going to assume Coventry has one more shot to, I mean, there's so much film on him, but I mean, he threw more this season, I think through four to six games than he did his whole last quote unquote senior season at, at Buffalo. Um, I mean, he might've, might've had as many throws in four or five games. I'll go back and look. The only thing he has in common with this offense at Buffalo is I think he had three rushing touchdowns last year, had three rushing touchdowns this year so far. What do you see for Kyle Van Trees? Uh, Clay Helton likes to call him an NFL prospect. Um, uh, I think Ezra Archie referenced that uh, at the post-game press conference. Do you feel like there's a place for him? Uh, maybe not a franchise quarterback, but there's a place for a guy that throws accurately stays calm he's six foot two 200 plus pounds and he's 20 24 25 years old which means he probably wouldn't get drafted very high but maybe someone's got a spot for him i think i mean yeah he's got the size and he's got the arm and he's got the confidence and the, that's three of it i think the probably the biggest factor like Kurt Warner. Him, yeah the probably the biggest factor against him is his age as you mentioned but you know if you if you've got size and you can run, and he's athletic enough. You know, he clearly he can run a little bit and do what he needs to do. And and 
I think a team will probably maybe take a look at him as a as a at least come in as a, a rookie agent. camp tryout, you know, see what can happen. You never know. Um and and, and that's good. And he probably des- deserves it, putting in the the time and effort he has through hey, six he years bet of college. On himself. He he came to George yeah. Southern with this offense, Brian Ellis's offense, and he bet on himself, yeah. like I'm gonna pick up all my roots uh and go south. And he, he better have won the starting job or else you'd have a very uh sad guy right now but he yeah it, it was a it was a, the path was there um you mentioned the wide receivers uh, i don't know if um i don't i don't think derwin burge jr amari jones will come back for a bowl game that's in three weeks let's say with the way they put it with their injuries but maybe some of the other guys can come back um and um you know they don't ever reference injuries as an excuse but i i say if if you say Three weeks in, five weeks in. Derwin Burgess is a special talent. He's devastating on those fade routes. He ball in the air. He wins 50-50 balls. He runs great routes. He and um and Coventry's had a special connection, seemed like from the spring with Amari Jones, who also another veteran player. You take those guys away, they're darn glad that they recruited Jeremy Singleton for one season. Yep. Uh he gave up what he had at Houston to, to take a chance on Georgia Southern. I mean it's it's planning, it's preparation, but they they may not be full strength for a a bowl game in three or four weeks. No, but here's one thing, and this is one thing that happens with bowl weeks is you get two extra weeks of practice, right? And and coaches always talk about how important it is, kind of going into next season. And so, if there is any kind of silver lining, and and obviously you don't want guys like Amari Jones and Derwin Burgess to be hurt, you want them to experience everything that comes with playing college football. But now some of these guys that you have recruited in the last few years that maybe didn't get a whole lot of the, the big-time reps in practice and whatnot, now they may have to get some of those coming into practice. And two weeks doesn't sound like a lot, but especially for these young guys who were maybe not getting all those reps, to be able to just kind of take a, a step up in practice and get a little bit more responsibility, that can be huge going yeah. into spring practice and really help a team – be even more ready for year two. Yeah, the, that that uh, trio of uh, freshman receivers that comes to mind with um, uh, Marcus Sanders Jr., Dalen Cobb, and Joshua Jett Thompson, it's like an extra season or an extra half season to have them in a football mindset for the month of December, and then it rolls right into January, as you point out. Um, and you would think that maybe Jalen White and uh, Gerald Green uh, would be ready before a bowl game. That's an if. Uh, but obviously they'd have to be medically cleared. But I heard that they jumped around pretty big at the celebration. Maybe that was just uh, adrenaline flowing, but yeah. hey, on game day. Jake, where we got about two minutes left, uh, that's cutting it close. So I want to give you a last chance to wrap things up. You uh, you graduated from Georgia Southern in 2011, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. So just a young guy here on the broadcast, on the podcast. Uh-huh. But uh, when you think of Georgia Southern football and you, you talk about the historically – Six, six national championships, uh, Irk Russell, the running, you weren't there back then, but the no. whole, it's carried on. Yeah. That's right. He didn't, he didn't cover Irk Russell, but uh, they, the whole uh, brand of the running team, how is it? I don't want to put words in your mouth. Is it weird? What's your reaction to thinking like, Hey, we got to throw the ball 50 oh, it's, times. It's, it's weird. It's weird. And I've talked to some other George Southern people. It's weird. What? We only it's, threw the ball 45 times. Yeah. It, That's it's like two it's months. Weird. In the system. But I, I think more than anything, Winning is what matters, obviously. And I think, you know, we've always kind of said that with the fan base, you know, that, you know, if you win, it doesn't matter what you run. And and I think a lot of fans are are that way. But, yeah, it's been – it's certainly been a change 
watching this team and, and running shotgun and we're flinging it all over the field. Yeah, it's it's been different. It's been fun because you won, you know, a couple of games. And you can, you've been you're in not every out game. of it because oh. of the nature. Of, now, they, they could do home run uh, running plays, and they certainly have over the years. Mm-hmm. But uh, just the fact that you might say, and we've read complaints when they lose and Ventries throws four t- interceptions and two of them weren't his fault and all that, which is true. But but they, they're like, oh, you, you throw the ball too much. We uh we need to run the ball more. When has a Georgia Southern ever fan ever had to say we need to run the ball more? <laughs> anyway, we, we need to wrap it up, Jake. Thanks so much for being on the show. Any last words, and I mean short words. I really appreciate everyone, Jake Wallace, for being on the, the podcast. Looking forward to seeing the bowl game. Looking forward to seeing how 2022 goes into 2023. Excellent point. Thanks very much, Jake Wallace. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll catch you next time on the Georgia Southern Extra Podcast. Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern. Pass swings on the way.